On with a Rye. Support for today's episode of On One comes from Form. You're more than a hair type. You're unique and so is your lifestyle. And now your hair regimen is too. Designed for all hair textures, the Form Collection minimizes guesswork and makes hair care simpler by offering personal regimens specifically designed for individual hair needs. Get 10% off your entire order when you visit formbeauty.com backslash Angela. That's F-O-R-M beauty.com backslash Angela. Get personal with Form. Well, all my children are the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray they see God and everything I write here. Yeah. Happy hump day, y'all. You're listening to On One with Angela Rye, and it's what? Episode seven. Who said that? Who said that? I did, girl. We are doing it well today. So many goings on, and we've got your back. So let's get into it. I'm a child in the struggle, new leader of the revolution. All my people is reform, pimps and prostitution. In the suburbs, I got them kids wildin'. And shit, I turn the inmates against the asylum. Put me in the hood, so I started an army. Put me on the charts, I get the world behind me. Light skins and dark skins, I love every shade. Black is beautiful, baby. Black is beautiful, baby. This week's Moment in Blackness. Oh my God. It was amazing. Can we please talk about the sheer black girl magic of Black Girls Rock last night? BET and Beverly Bond handled this. Shout out to you, Beverly. You have an amazing vision that you're implementing. You're developing and shaping the minds of young black girls through a dope curriculum. I can't wait to participate. And you're recognizing our sheroes with this amazing program year after year with BET. It was awesome. But I have to tell y'all my personal favorite moment. And you all know I'm biased. But why did I tear up three times listening to Congresswoman Waters Humanitarian Award acceptance speech? I loved it. And I just can't tell you enough. Like, I'm going to listen to it maybe every day. Maybe not every day, but at least once a week because it's that inspirational. So, What'd you say? You said you didn't hear it. Don't worry. You know I got you. Good evening, everyone. To Beverly Bond, the founder of Black Girls Rock, and Deborah Lee, the chairman and CEO of BET, I'm extremely grateful for the recognition that I'm receiving this evening. But I want you to know, if it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters in this country, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now I know I'm simply a strong black woman. we have influence. We can do things that others have told us we can't do. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how high you think you are. If you come for me, I'm coming for you. And so, whether it's the President of the United States of America or any of his cabinet, 
we will say to them, we will resist you. We will not allow you to damage this country in the way that you're doing. We will not allow you to take us backwards. Not only will we resist you, we will impeach you, Mr. President. that you are as inspired as I am this evening. I want you to know that I said, and I'll say it over and over again, reclaiming my time. I love you all. Thank you. I know I'm simply a strong black woman. Talk about affirmation. I need that validation right now. I hope you all do too. Men, you know you can plug in where you fit in and anybody who's gender neutral, listen, you're a strong black person and we love y'all. I love her and if you don't, I promise you there is something wrong with you. Reclaiming my time. Yes, I am. My time. Every minute. My of, time. Every second. My time. Stop talking. My time. Do you know the rules? My time. When it's my time. My time. I can take it back. Take it back this conversation segment back, is with one of the very best to ever do it, rapper slash actor Common, and the executive producer of Hangover, which I'm sure many of you all have seen, and director extraordinaire. He's also the founder of the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, none other than Scott Budnick. They have teamed up to do some great work in the criminal justice reform space in the state of California, hoping it goes national and international. I get to chop it up with them after an amazing show they named Imagine Justice, where brilliant performers, Common, J. Cole, Guapale, Lettucey, and many more gathered on the Capitol lawn in Sacramento to bring attention to much needed policy reform to address mass incarceration with an emphasis on juvenile offenders and young folks who are incarcerated. This is Conversate, y'all. Hey, peace. So um, you all just did an amazing show in Sacramento um, called Imagine Justice. And the purpose of this show um, was to highlight um, issues of importance in criminal justice reform. And I would love for you you all to share with our audience what some of the key issues that you all are trying to bring attention to um, not only the state of California, but also specifically to legislators. Well, you know, we did imagine justice as um, as not only a concert, but just a a point of like movement, a moment that we wanted to bring people's attention that might not be aware of what's going on with the criminal justice system. And some of the things specifically that that we were targeting was was like juveniles being sentenced to life without parole, um, young adults being sentenced to life without parole. Um, we also started getting into bail reform somewhat, um, even though the, the bill isn't is not totally hashed out right it's not fully the bill is not fully cooked but um that was also an issue and and honestly like as we were even coming here i learned about a new issue that we also decided that we needed to target and that's about enhancements um sentence enhancements which i think scott can elaborate because Mm -hmm. to be honest angela it's been for me it's been an education as well as it's it's an education but it's as well as just like I gotta be a part of this because this whole thing is like I can't just write songs about 
these issues. I've been doing that for a long time, and 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 it means something. The music does mean something. The art means something. It transforms too. But so many people I look up to have put their their bodies and their their minds and and um put the work into the change and into the policy change also, which is something I wasn't really focused on. And now, Scott, I mean, I guess you could break down the bills if you would like to. And, and Scott, before you go specifically into the legislation, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about establishing the anti-recidivism um, coalition and what that work means to you and why you decided to to do that. Yeah, I, I was I was a, a film producer and uh, working on all the hangover films. And uh, I'd done a film uh, back in like 2002 called Old School. And I met a producer there that invited me down to a juvenile hall to be a guest speaker in a creative writing program. And uh, I went into this juvenile hall on a Saturday morning and met 12 kids who were facing life sentences. And the kid next to me had just gotten 300 years in prison for 50, at 15 years old for standing next to his homie, his friend who shot the victim in, in the rear end. Mm -hmm. So, and that victim was in and out of the hospital on a day and this kid was going off to prison for 300 years. And I just said at that moment, like not in my city, not in my state, not in my country. Like this is not how we're going to treat chil children, especially children who didn't even have a first chance, like no chance. And then as I went around that table, like, and they started telling their stories, it was lack of fathers, lack of mentors, physical abuse, sexual abuse, just things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And these are what these kids had experienced since the earliest of age. And it's like, how are we going to judge them and throw them away like forever? They had, a, um, it, where I'm from in Seattle, it's called Conversate because sometimes I chime in, but we, um, we had a, pro a program at the King County Juvenile Detention Center for youth chaplains. So my best friend and I in college we go down to the juvenile detention center and do Bible study with um, nice. young girls and boys. And I don't have a story like yours, but one of the things that left such an imprint on me is there was a young girl that came into the Bible study. She was very pregnant, looked very young, probably 15 or 16 years old. And she had all these red blotches all over her body. And the other girls were making fun of her and she yelled back at them, you don't know my story. Mm. And after the Bible study was over, they all left out. And when she, um, there was uh, someone who was assigned to their hall and the woman said, um, do you know what happened to her? I was like, no. She said she has full blown AIDS. She um, was prostituting just like her mom. And mm. so to your point, so much of the behavior is either learned or there's not enough that's learned. So it's it's amazing that we can have these types of experiences and people know this and still will punish these kids in that way. Yeah, and we're Hold on, I'm sorry, Scott. Yeah, and we're, we're we're the only country in the world that sentences a kid to die in prison. Yeah. Uh, no one else does that. And uh it was great being able to witness uh common sit with Governor Jerry Brown in his 70s and his second term as governor and his father was governor and Common was there like really coming on the scene to like, I'm almost like passing the torch. Mm -hmm. um, but we were able to talk about like uh, our governor and how he doesn't believe that kids should die in prison mm -hmm. and this bill SB 394 that we're advocating for today um, that would stop uh, kids being sentenced to life without parole and also looking at enhancements that have taken Senses. I think the governor said when he was governor the first time, like a, the worst crime would get seven to life. Yeah, seven to life. And with the enhancements now, it's like seventy-five to life. Yeah. Now that he's wow. back governor, thirty years later. Tell about the enhancements. The enhancements is it's kind of mind blowing because, like, well, he he kind of gave us a synopsis that was real. You get three hundred years, but just just for being in, 
involved in a gang, they add they can add ten years. Mm-hmm. If you have if you have a gun, they'll add twenty five years. So you could do a crime that may not even denote like over ten years, but mm-hmm. they can add it just because of your affiliation to a gang or or a gun. So, and when we when we were talking about juveniles, it's, it was something that was really enlightening for me. We went to a juvenile home here in in um, California, and man, I met we met some kids that was just like, I mean, some of the best writing. I, I, it made me want to go wow. home and write, like mm-hmm. the writing that. Really, man, and that's the writing program that they have every weekend. Was inside that? Yeah, Inside Out Writers. It was like I was, I was like, dang, these dudes. Like, what's my man? We call him the the professor. The professor. Yeah. Oh man, the professor, no. the professor. This dude now, and he and he had just found out his sister had died. Wow. And but he came back in the room and and lit it up with some poetry. That everybody that we went around the room and just when we met, when we went to, we went to. We've been to four prisons today. We we're going to another. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to Folsom. But when I met youth who had people who had been incarcerated since they were like sixteen, and they you know described how to me like yo picture if you did an act when you were sixteen and you've been mm-hmm. trapped in that act for the rest of your life, and it just really made me flash back to my sixteen year old days. I mean, it was sixteen. It was times when I was out fighting. And I had friends that were doing things that basically are similar to exactly what we're talking about. And man, my life would be a whole different story. And it kind of struck me in another way because getting, getting around it is another level of understanding. And I think that's something that we miss here in, in our country, especially with people who are lawmakers. Mm-hmm. They don't get in the proximity of the people that they are trying to make laws for. Yeah. So it's great for us. For me, it was like, man, I got to touch down with the people and just listen to these, to the people that are incarcerated and be able to try to be a voice for them, not only in music, but now it's going to, to the legislators and, and being like, yo, this is what I've experienced. So um, one of the questions I have, because I think listeners will probably want to know, when you're going to these prisons, what are you doing? Like, what is the purpose of the prison visits? Um, I mean, I'm going to let Common speak to that. But uh, I mean, I'll just say uh, from my perspective, and I know these guys, I'm in these prisons three, four times every month uh, and definitely in a prison a week. Um, They... They feel forgotten about. They don't believe that there's people that care about them Mm -hmm. and they lack hope and they lack love. And when you lack hope and when you lack love, um, there's nothing really to strive for. So I think anyone coming in to show love, to teach, um, to inspire is huge. But when you have someone like Common Mm -hmm. with his platform, they know what his music's been like for 25 years, like, like. That takes it to a whole other level. And when we were in these prisons before, I got letters for months. I still get letters saying the high is still not worn down. Um, and even from kids who were locked up at age 15 and are now 30 or 40 years old that had never been to a concert before. Their first concert was at 40 years old in a prison wow. uh, with Common. And they said things to me like, wow, you know what we learned today? That we could go out and, and have fun without drinking. Like, and just like crazy things, even that we had inmates that sat, set up the stage 
that had been locked up since they were 14, 15 years old. And they said, we've never worked a day in our life. That was our first day of work. And they got to work with a crew that came from the outside and set up a stage and lights and sound. And they got the feeling of what it was like to be tired after a day of work. And they still write about that. So, I mean, just that kind of inspiration. And, and come, I think you can add to, to that as well in terms of what, what you're doing in there. Well, first, I need to make sure I, I learn that lesson. I can go out and have fun without drinking, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Um, you don't have fun doing your shows? You don't do your shows drunk, do you? No, no. I mean, I have done. Definitely, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely occurred. That was like a regular for a while, but... <laughs> Not anymore. I like being, you know, clear. Exclusive. Much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. I mean, come on. It was, it was, the, it was the way of a lot of rappers. No, yeah. <laughs> no but seriously, um, yeah, you know, I actually choose to, in many instances now when I perform, I want to be clear, especially like something like w- w- what we did, Imagine Justice. I make it a point not t- to drink because I want to take in the moment. Like, yeah, and... I want to be present with the moment and be like in my clearest, like in the highest vibration. But when you was talking about us going in, going in, and plus, I know I'm in in moments like these. I want to talk about things that that mean something, and I don't want to necessarily do it from an intoxicated place. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about when we when we go in, you know, for me, the purpose of going in, because Scott Scott has come to me for like at least ten years trying to get me to go in. To, to jails, going to prisons. Like he would come to Rock the Bells concerts and and bring formerly incarcerated people and was like, look, come here and participate in this. And I, I met my fiance to come. Yeah, he met his fiance. <laughs> <at> my, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That's awesome. So, but I've obviously care about our people that were incarcerated, but I wasn't like on the mission yet. It, it, it took me steps to get there. I kind of, I kind of, um, I kind of attribute that to to being because I always felt like, man, I had friends and knew people that were in prison. So it just felt regular. And until I realized it was a systemic thing and it was like really rooted from slavery to Jim Crow that I really looked at it. And I saw how much it was affecting even the violence, because my thing is getting young people to fulfill their dreams, getting them to see something, a dream, and like letting them find a, a purpose in a career. So that's why I've been doing the work with the youth and education and things. But well, I- you, but you just brought up um, slavery. So I think that's like an important segue into 13th. And you just got an Emmy nod for Letter to the Free. Yes. Um, and in that song, you talk about justice for all ain't specific enough. Um, when you think about doing this work, um, it's very targeted to juvenile offenders. Do you see yourself expanding that platform, um, not only beyond the state of California, but also to folks who are incarcerated who aren't juvenile offenders? Oh, yeah. And that was, and you actually referenced uh, glory. That's justice for oh, all. Oh, I sure did. Thank you. I deserve that correction. Yeah. That's why I'm not the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but that's okay. I mean, glory, letter to the free. We grateful for all. I'm grateful. Good thing you stay on message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I messed that up. No, but it's, it's still, you know, the message, like you said. But it's not spe- it's not specific to only juveniles. Mm-hmm. Point blank, it's, it's for people who are incarcerated and are getting are getting punished in jail and not rehabilitated. People who are being overlooked. Um, 
I met a lot of people in, who were incarcerated that was just trans, who had transformed their lives. Were really, I met some of the most humane people I ever met in my life, and the most enlightened people. And I think it's a part of society that we, as society, overlook and kind of cast away, and just write them off. Even those who've committed violent crimes, where we don't recognize them as human beings. And one thing Scott was saying about people, and I say that in Letter to the Free, we ain't seen as human beings with feelings. Will the U.S. ever be us? Lord willing. So I think that's a big issue when we talk about young black people being shot down by the police, um, people not receiving like really jobs and opportunities. It's the, the dehumanization of, of black people and black and brown people, really, with, when it comes to this prison system and, and just the way America views us. So this is not only specific to juveniles because we, we're looking at the, huma- at the human beings and we want everybody to have a chance to, to get better in life. And, uh, How do you all see um, the Trump administration and their Department of Justice um, impacting the work that you're currently doing? Well, I mean, Does that, do you honestly, have to change course? Do you have to do something a little different? I feel, I feel like we got to we have to go harder because we got to work harder. We got to be more diligent, more strategic, um, because obviously the Trump administration came in talking that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Say they they started saying, well, you see 13th. I mean, some of the exact words that came from the 80s. Law and order. Law and order. Yeah. Law and order. Um, and, it, you know, he came with the new, you know, the new phrase, but make America great again. You know, that wasn't, see, now this is my lane. Okay. So that wasn't new. That came from Ronald Reagan. Was it? Yes. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that came from Ronald Reagan. So he brought it back. Like everything about him is a throwback, except for he's not very educated. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, hearing that talk mm-hmm. just was like, oh, okay, you just said, you said the words. Not only are these words for the people, you know, those, the people who are white supremacists and the people who have that charge, that law and order mentality but now we are aware Mm -hmm. and for those who aren't aware that that law and order talk is is the same thing that got us in a bad situation from the 80s when ronald reagan was in office and it continued because it it eventually went to the clinton administration when three strikes came into play but that talk was like let me know that we we had a lot to do but it was before even those words but Mm -hmm. just hearing that was like okay it's a mission. And so to answer your question, we definitely have more work to do. But I feel like we have to do that not only when it comes to prison reform, but just as as people. We have to look at this administration and say, OK, this administration is not targeting us for, in a positive way. So what can I do more than I was doing? Because it's going to take extra work. Don't forget, this week's episode is brought to you by Form. Say hello to Form, a premium hair care collection dedicated to making every hair journey simpler and better. It's the first women's prestige hair care collection to celebrate beauty in all its forms. The Form collection will help make your hair care experience personal by offering uncompromising products specifically designed for individual hair needs. It certainly met mine. 
For women of all hair textures, and they do mean all, the Form Collection is unique, versatile, and minimizes guesswork. Form was inspired by your own hair care journey and delivers uncompromising performance without sacrificing the health of your hair. Just like their big brother brand, Bevel, the folks at Form were tired of seeing the women they love struggle to find hair care that was personal, effective, and high quality. You can get 10% off your entire order when you visit formbeauty.com backslash Angela. The discount will be automatically applied at checkout. Do you think that, um, I guess for both of you, Scott, because in a lot of ways you're uh, very much a part of the entertainment industry, do you think that there is a heightened role for folks in the industry um, or athletes to engage in this kind of work? And if so, why? I mean, first, I don't think we're going to let the Trump administration get in our way. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to keep pushing. Um, we're, we live in a state that that respects diversity and unity. And last night, I think at Imagine Justice, we showed the world that and the country that how we get down. Um, so and, and we have a great governor that oversees our state prison system and has been reducing the size of our state prison system for the entire time he's been in office. Um and so uh, we're not stopping. Um, we're just continuing to push on this path of, of rehabilitation and redemption and second chances. Um, as far as the entertainment community, I mean, the fact that, that we had Common and J. Cole on stage last night highlighting this issue, I mean, these are, these are, these are, in my mind, these are folks that are forgotten, that are invisible. And when you have people that have a platform that can lift them up, uh, not only go in and bring them hope, but can also lift them up. Um, and tell their stories to the public and show their greatness um, and what they can be and why they deserve second chances. And we last night at the show, um, we had probably 300 people with ARC and the California Endowment and all these incredible organizations that are formerly incarcerated that are now university graduates mm-hmm. or in college or in union jobs or, and, and working and running businesses. Um, and I think highlighting these stories and having folks like Common and Cole and John Legend and others who have come aboard this movement lift them up on their platform is just enormous for people that are marginalized and visible and forgotten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, you have, you want to respond to the artist part? Well, yeah, I, I, I always believe artists have that responsibility to do something because we we come from these communities. These communities are the ones that support us. But just the law of attraction, the, the what you reap is what you sow. If you if you sow a lot into to the people and giving back, you will reap a lot. And even not for only just your own benefits, but you know, I kept using this quote yesterday. This Dr. King King quote when he's talking about the fabric of our destiny, and he was saying, you know, I can't be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, you know, and that really means something to me because, like, my whole purpose and mission started with just me seeing my friends who didn't have parents and didn't have. I had a great. I have a great mother, and my stepfather and my father who was like so. I had support and love. There's so, so many people in the world who don't have that. And when they don't have that, it, it's starting, you know, it's it's, a, it's more of a challenging road and path. So my whole 
thing was that naturally came just by me having friends who were in those situations. Um, so my mission has been like to help those who've, who are coming from more challenging situations. And as art and as an artist, it's always been, you know, it's grown because when I first came out, I was, you know, rapping. I had a 40 ounce on my first cover, you know, <laughs> I was trying to be like, you know, Cube and, and, and NWA, but, but I still, you know, had a consciousness about me and that consciousness grew to being like, what, what can I do? Like, what can I do to be active and, and really be a part of, of it and, and, and be a leader in this? And I, and I told J. Cole yesterday, I was like, man, dude, you're a leader because it's the, you know, the new generation too is, is needs to see themselves and the leadership that's coming from, from themselves also, as well as, you know, all of us. And I think it's the artist's duty, not just, you know, to quote Nina Simone, but it is the artist's duty to to be a voice for the people and stand up for the people. And we have that, I mean, we had that platform. If you give it, Karis once said um, something like, you think I'm going to get on the mic and waste my people's time? And I'm like, I always love that line because it's like, why, if you get a microphone, why are you going to waste people's time? You know, we can have fun, we can do all that, but when it comes down to it, what are you going to use the microphone and your gift for. And so I look at artists and, and feel like it's truly our responsibility, especially and athletes too. And I'm really, I really want to give it up for the athletes that we, I mean, I think Colin Kaepernick specifically is one of the most courageous, um, individuals and athletes that we've seen in this day and time and all the other. Are you, you know, what kind of NFL then? I mean, yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm not watching NFL, but, I will watch. I will watch um, ESPN highlights. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I just want to jump in on that, Colin. Scott, Kaepernick. you got to answer that too. Are you working? I got to. I got to jump in on. I got to jump in on this Colin Kaepernick thing, which is yeah. so fascinating. It's like I grew up in Atlanta, and uh, I have a lot of white people that I love um, that are that are in my family and friends and people I grew up with who aren't racist. I mean, they're just not racist, or they don't think they're racist. And I never thought they were racist and I still don't think they're racist, but, um, like people that I would never expect are like, like I'm no longer watching the NFL because of Colin Kaepernick. And I think they're like, because like agreeing with us and they're not, they're the exact opposite because they don't understand what he's protesting. Mm. They don't, un they don't get it in, in their minds. This is this rich dude who is, is been given all this great stuff. And he's disrespecting veterans. They can't see beyond that, mm. that, that, that he's made all this money and now he's disrespecting people that fought for this country. They, they have blinders on. And even and though they, some veterans are supportive of the protests because it's for not sure. about no, no, I know a lot army. of It's I, about black lives. I know a lot of veterans supportive of the protests, but these are people that just don't get it. And I think that's what complicates the race piece of all of this is, is that unconscious bias or, or I, I mean, that's what they call it. Yeah. Or people who aren't throwing out the N word or not demeaning people, but just don't get it. Yeah. Like, and, and to be honest with you, it's like I did this work in the prisons for a long time and I never talked about the race piece of it because it was the race piece of it was so divisive. But then I went to Africa and went into an African prison where the prisoners are black and the people are black. And then I went to Germany 
and the prisoners are white and the people are white. And I said this in the governor's meeting yesterday, but um, in those countries, they see their prisoners as part of them. Um, we see our prisoners as someone we need to put away. They're not that's part right. of our community. And that's because in those places, the community and the prisoners look the same. Mm-hmm. In, our, in, our, in our country, we have a bunch of white people that don't see those that don't look like them as their brothers and sisters and members of their community. They're, they live in the hood, right? And it's just, those are the blinders. So we did a lot of work 30, 40 years ago around civil rights, but now it's all this unconscious. Obviously, we have the, the white supremacists in the Ku Klux Klan and the neo-Nazis that are far out. But we also have a bunch of people who don't believe they're racists that are racists. And it's unconscious. And they, they're good-hearted people that go to church and don't think they're racist. But they need to take one more step to really understand the realness of this. So um, we know we have to wrap. You all have some very important meetings with legislators in the state of California today. Um, but I also just want you all to end with what people can do to get involved to support this work, um, whether it's in their own states and implementing some of the same models or here in California, what would you all recommend people do? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I had to say, like, I mean, I'm doing this work with ARC, which is Scott's um, organization, uh, you know, ARC, Anti-Recidivism Coalition, in in California. But my, my mission is honestly national and international, you know, I, I come, I know this is an issue that exists for, for people of color all over. And it's just, man, I met people in, in prison, white dudes that was in prison that was like 40 years for, for, um, a fight. I met, you know, so I, it's an issue regardless, but I know it's targeting us more than ever. And, um, you know, black people and brown people more than ever. So, I'm like, this is a national thing. And I, 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 I suggest to people to, to first of all, educate yourself on the issues, like it's within your state. Cause it's, it's certain things like when Scott's talking about SB 394, that's for California, uh, SB 395 and then with SB 10 with all the, it's California. But I mean, I, I honestly had to educate, I'm educating myself as we go and learning more. And I think, um, it's up to the to people to the people to identify something within your community that you want to see change, mm-hmm. and and start doing the work. Like the reason, the reason I really am doing this now is because, in all truth, it came from part of just the experience of of being on Selma and really realizing what what the people of the civil rights movement was doing, they were working every day towards this. So when people were calling me an activist, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta live up to this Mm -hmm. because I'm not, I'm I'm doing some work, but I need to do the work. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, I believe that, that it's up to us the same way we give ourselves to, I give myself to my art and whatever your passion is, like make this one of your passions to chat, to help, like shift things in your in your community, shift things in in, in the world. Shoot, start just within your homes. But um, specifically, this guy, what what would you suggest for people? Um, I mean, I think like I think right away, it's like vote. 
um, and vote in the elections that no one turns out for. Like the, the to, in my mind around this issue, the most important elections are the district attorneys mm-hmm. um, that no one votes for. So you get very extreme candidates because only the most extreme voters come out for a DA election. If we really, you've seen incredible progressive DAs get elected with huge campaigns, like in Chicago, Kim Fox yeah. is the new DA of Chicago, but that's because there was a very intentional campaign to get people to turn out because they didn't like what was happening in their communities. Um, and so I think number one, vote and vote in the in DA elections. Um, and I think get involved. It's like go go volunteer and mentor in your 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 local school or in a local juvenile hall or a prison. Um, like like as Brian Stevenson says, be proximate. Like get proximate to human suffering um, and be there for them. I mean that all it takes is every every person that's ever changed their life that I met. Uh, when I ask them what did it, they go, one person cared about me. Mm. That was it. One person cared about me. Like how easy we can solve this problem. One person cared about me is what changes every single life. Yeah, I remember Red. Well, this this is another story. You can put it on that wherever you want in the, in the podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but 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 it was just um we went to visit a women's prison called CIW and we went into a therapy session. And it was really moving like because all these women you know older women asian black white and they and my band some of my band members came too and first and foremost it was like one of the the artists i I work with my moona yousef um she started opening up about her life in a way that i was like wow i never i've known her for years and we in this therapy session in prison in the women's prison and I was sitting next to this this girl named Red. She had saved a seat for me, Red. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, nobody else sitting here. I was sitting next to Red. So I came and sat next to Red. And, um, you know, eventually as the circle went around and so many of the women talked about how the children had won't talk to them. And it was, it was really moving. And um, Red was told, just started opening up and saying how, man, her family hadn't really come to see her really and she didn't have anybody but just the fact that we were there just at that moment showed you know that somebody cared for her. Mm. and that caring would go so far for her and eventually you know we 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 I performed and I did the song come close and I've called red up on stage <laughs> oh and it was like it was one of the best the most moving performances I ever had of yeah. that song like uh-huh. because I thought about Red and just her feeling cared for and feeling loved and and you know how oh man it's yeah it was beautiful so anyway like to the to the note of caring it's like that's what this whole thing is about we like when we talk about what can we do man just care so uh, care about others and that caring is an action word that was one thing I read just in the Bible. Is like love is a choice and an action. Mm-hmm. So if we care with action, that will be everything that this that this community, country, and world needs. That's a good place to end it. Thank you all so much for doing yeah. on one on with one. Angela Ray. On one. Today's political highlight is about a protest happening at NFL headquarters right now. Today, the Women's March organizers, in collaboration with several other organizations, have partnered to stand in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick by protesting outside of the NFL headquarters. What's at issue? 
Number one, Colin's still not signed. And we're hard pressed to understand why, because everyone understands freedom of speech when it comes to white supremacists being able to protest and exercise their right to protest. But for some reason, Colin taking a knee on behalf of black people everywhere who just want to survive and thrive in this country is problematic. He had an issue with the flag, with being supportive of a country that was oppressive to us. And he has that right. But for whatever reason now, he can't get signed. So Colin was brave enough to take a stand by kneeling for our freedom, for our livelihood and our advancement. My question to all of you listening is how will you stand in solidarity with Colin? Will you keep your TVs dialed to another network when the NFL season starts? Will you avoid going to football games even when you're invited on the free? Will you stop wearing your favorite NFL team's jerseys, T-shirts, or hats? How will you stand in solidarity with Colin? If we know that our ability to live and thrive in this country is challenged, if we know that we are a day away from yet another shooting by a police officer, if we know that we still haven't achieved economic opportunity in this country and we know that oppressive systemic measures are in place, how will we stand with Colin? I know this isn't all about a highlight, but I do want to give a special shout out to the organizers of today's protest and say, I see you and I'm standing with you. I will not be watching the NFL as long as they can't recognize what's wrong with this issue, with this picture. The only thing I want to ask all of you is what effect will the Kaepernick effect have on you? We've seen other football players sitting, kneeling in another way, standing in solidarity with Kaepernick. I hope that you will do the same. And it's that time, y'all. It's the political lowlife. So I'm not going to tell you who it is just yet, but I think you're going to get the picture. At Trump's rally in Arizona last night, this fella made a cameo appearance front and center behind the podium. Talk about a throwback. See, to understand the story of Catcher Freeman, you got to know a little something about slavery. Now, if you think niggas is worthless and lazy today, oh, Lord, help me, you should have seen them back in slavery days. Little old master colonel and plantation owners like him provided darkies all over the South with good jobs, food, housing. I'm telling you, slavery was the best thing that ever could happen to Negro kind. Okay, first of all, none of that is true. And don't trust them new niggas is not a spiritual. Okay, okay. It might not be the real Uncle Ruckus, but he espouses similar foolishness. This man's name is Maurice Simonetti, a.k.a. Michael Israel, a.k.a. Michael the Black Man, a.k.a. Call Me What You Want Because I'm Out My Rabbit Ass Mind. He's been field tripping at Trump rallies since the campaign, holding God's 2.com signs and wearing that on his T-shirts. At one point, the website was not operational. Trust me, y'all know I tried it. Now, the site is operational, but it's not operational, meaning it lacks the ability to contribute meaningfully to elevating discourse and pushes relatively unknown conspiracy theories. What's that? Oh, my God, you're right. He kind of sounds like y'all's president. Anyway, I digress. Last night, the message he was trying to convince himself of was on his T-shirt. It says Trump and Republicans are not racist. Now, I was pretty much convinced this dude was a white man in blackface in a Hawaiian silky lace front last night. But then I heard this today. Uh, Maurice, good morning, sir. You're talking to John Aran, Double Dells Radio in Chicago. You're on the air. How are you? 
I'm fantastic. How you doing? We're doing very well, sir. So the uh, Washington Post and TMZ, they've already run profiles on you. We just saw them posted. We're talking to you first here in Chicago. Uh, how do you think the president's rally went last night? We saw you prominently placed right behind the president. Well, I wasn't placed behind him. I put myself there. But um, I thought uh, he did very well last night. And um, I, I, I'm glad I was there so that I could get the message out to our people what's going on with the Democrats and the Cherokee Indians are absolutely destroying the black man and the white man of America. Now, I want to stop you right there because we were mm -hmm. looking at some of the website material. And I wanted to get that later. But just to clear up, so that the Trump people don't, they didn't place you there. You went early and you get those seats are open to anybody who gets there early, I assume. No, I don't really know how it works, but see, they have seen me a lot of times. So when I, I was like four, well, no, I'm sorry, about sixth in line. Mm -hmm. I got there like eight o'clock that morning. So when I, when I went in, I just walked up. There was really nobody in the place almost. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. And we saw you, I mean, I watched a lot of it and I saw you right there behind him and uh, by your big support of the president, obviously. Now, the reason you're going to be in the news uh, today is because, uh, you know, the Washington Post and TMZ, they've investigated you and talked to you a little bit. And your website, this is one you can click through uh, via Blacks for Trump 2020, gods2.com. You pro proclaim, and you kind of touched on this, that uh, the real KKK slave masters are Cherokee Indians. I don't want to get into mm -hmm. your entire uh, theory here, but uh, that's going to be somewhat inflammatory, I would imagine. You're going to get a lot of uh, attention today. Well, I don't know what, how much attention I'm going to get, but that is the truth, because the Cherokee Indians, like Chief Bill Baker, are mostly white people. And um, the guy, Sir John Hawkins, who was the first man to go get slaves commissioned by Queen Elizabeth I, he was absolutely a Cherokee Indian, and almost everybody he had were Cherokee Indians, and the Cherokee Indians had money, and they were the only ones able to even really afford slaves, and almost all of them were the ones that had slaves, and, they, and all of the slave states were states where uh, reservations were located. Okay, I'd, I'd not heard that, that Cherokee Indians were responsible for slavery. Now, I'd not heard that either. And we should never hear that BS again. I can't, y'all. Like, Simonetti, where, the Simonetti family, where are y'all? Please come get your uncle post-haste. Do not let his crazy ass show up to another Trump rally in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Striving to do right, my people are warriors. All we know is the fight, praying to see God and everything. They call right. me the yellow shadow. I say I'm just my father's daughter, like Christ, my body beating, but I refuse to holler. Won't give them the satisfaction, but I let the tears flow. Steady praying for a father, forgive them, they don't know that the revolution will not be televised. Twitter, Facebook, excuse me as I scrutinize. Out of the mouth of this babe comes perfected praise. As if you needed a sign, we in the last days. And so the revolution starts with a stroke of the pen. Not my Matthew, Mark, and all of them. Now I'm at the plate, batting, clean up, and I'm a chief, giving it to them. They beat me up. My people are dying. The weapons are falling a spoon. Heart disease, genetically modified foods. Radio play poison, so the people are sick. Went to court, and still I couldn't find justice. Yeah, we're all my children of the light. Born in the city, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is the fight. 